This is the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. Make yourself comfortable and fasten your seatbelt. Tom and his guests are about to share powerful stories, trade business building insights, and have a few laughs. Tom created this podcast to help you captivate prospects and inspire them to act so you can get more clients quickly and easily. That's what powerful storytelling is all about. That's what this podcast is all about. So let's get this party started. Here's your host, Tom Ruich. Hello and welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. My name is Tom Ruich and today's episode is called How to Tune Up Your Business Like a Formula One Race Car. My guest today is Paul Teasdale. Paul has worked with some of the world's largest and most successful businesses to help them understand, shape, and deliver meaningful performance. His work has taken him from managing production teams to operation consulting, improvement facilitation, banking, and yes, Formula One racing. Paul believes performance starts with people when supported by the right processes and technologies. Paul helps to bring clarity to the what, why, and how of the changes you need to drive high-performing teams. Paul Teasdale, welcome to the Story Power Marketing Show. Thanks so much for having me, Tom. It's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. And so you're in Great Britain. You're outside of, of London. And in your work history, you worked for McLaren, named after one of the great Formula One racers who later started a, a, a company. Uh, am I right about that? He was a race car driver who's very much so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, sorry, I'm not I'm not, <laughs> you know, deep into the into the F1 thing. But McLaren started this company and it's all about building the systems and the technologies that, that uh, make these cars fine-tuned machines. And it was at that company, McLaren, that you were in the F1 business and also helping other businesses apply sort of the F1 approach to their businesses. So Indeed. tell us some of the key lessons you learned at McLaren regarding F1 that are applied to other businesses that you brought to other businesses? Oh, um, thanks for the question, Tom. Um, it, I had the privilege of working for McLaren on an off chance. By the way, I often premise, uh, preface this, I'm not an F1 fan myself. I wouldn't call myself an F1 fan, <laughs> yeah. um, partly because the true F1 fans are fanatical about their sport. They are, um, yeah, exactly. And I haven't grown up with the sport, um, but I have a deep passion for high performance. And mm. when I was looking to move back to the UK from New Zealand for family reasons, reached out to my network, a friend of mine worked at McLaren, said, here's an opportunity. Do you fancy this? And I was like, this is an amazing, like the pinnacle of high performance in terms mm -hmm. of Formula One. I'd love to be able to get into how those organizations work and be able to help other clients to connect with that so that they can make better decisions and ultimately drive performance. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what they do um, and a lot of those stories, a lot of the practical things are very similar to a lot of things that have been talked about for many years. So when it comes to manufacturing organizations, for instance, they'd be talking about changeovers and helping people with changeovers. Mm -hmm. um, now this is 
classic Toyota production system, single minute exchange of die stuff. It, it's been mm -hmm. in manufacturing for years. In fact, since I started in manufacturing, uh, we talked about pit stops as the epitome here. The yeah. difference was we were able to get the clients onto site and say, by the way, those are the drivers over there and that's the car and you're going to actually change a wheel on that car. And we're going to go through that as an experiential learning and then reflect on it and understand where we're going to apply those learnings to your organization. And yeah. going from that theoretical learning to uh, to you know experiential learning and group experiential learning was you know an accelerator of that performance in a huge way yeah and 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 that's really interesting that exercise that that we're going to actually go and change a tire on a car mm -hmm. and so i'm imagining that process I've, I've never gone through that exercise but there's a, a process of fumbling and stumbling and, and yeah. not achieving the goal, uh, not completing the task in the window that you hope to. Precisely. And then there's an act of reflection. Um, what could we have done? What did we do wrong? Where did the communication break down? Mm -hmm. And I, I think you're right. As I imagine this process, it really operates as a grand metaphor for how any business is going to operate. There's the human component, there's the machinery that you apply, there's the tools and the and the processes and everything needs to be done in order. So uh, tell us more about, about how you would go out to other businesses and today still, you're not at McLaren any longer, today still you're applying some of these uh, concepts metaphorically to mm. business growth and operation. Yeah, um, and one of the key areas that I do, and one of the the constant challenges that I find a lot of my clients and people that I talk to have is, is came across a great term called infobesity. Mm -hmm. You know, people are consuming so much data and information these days that they're struggling to actually make good decisions. Yep. The the thinking is often if I get more technology and if I get more data, more accurate data, I'm going to be able to make better decisions. And one of the key learnings I had from that um, time in F1, and this is a counterintuitive lesson, which is F1 is so data driven, huge amount of data. And you think they would put data first. Well, actually, no, they put data very last. Yeah. And the reason being in the world of F1, if you want data from a car, you have to have a sensor and some sort of telemetry. So you've got to collect that data and transport it somewhere so that you can analyze it and do something with it to make a better decision. Yep. That sensor comes at a weight and it doesn't matter how light that sensor is, that weight adds up and ultimately can have a counterproductive element to your performance, can actually mm -hmm. slow your car down. You're getting right. this data to make your car faster and actually you're slowing it down. So you've got to have a, a return on investment view on the data that you're bringing in. Yeah. And so I used my experience there and my love of acronyms when I went out independently. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I talk about rapid performance. Yeah. Um, so it's like, put results first. What are mm -hmm. the results you're trying to drive? What are you trying to get out of whatever you're doing right now? It might be a project, might be a personal thing that you're doing. It might be an organization, direction, strategy high performance mm -hmm. that you're after. By truly understanding that, you can then start to think about the next level, the A for actions. What are the things at your disposal, the levers that you can push and pull that actually have an influence on that result? Yeah. 
Yeah. So then, give me a practice. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, yeah. I was just gonna, just walking through the P is for people. So who are the people who make the decisions? Yep. The I is for insights, uh -huh. which, which is a critical element and differs from the last bit, which is D for data. Yep. So I talk about data, information, and insights, and, and most people focus on data and information, not enough, in my opinion, on insights. Yeah, so give me a practical example of a business that, that you worked with where mm -hmm. they were sort of data first and, yeah. and you came in and turned it around for them and, and what was going on when you came in, what was going on after you turned the process around? Um, I'll take a story from my time at McLaren for, to begin with, which is a large uh, fizzy drink manufacturer, shall we call them, came, uh -huh. to, talk, <laughs> came to talk to us about you know, we've just invent, uh, invested 10, 15 million euro, I think it was, in a plant in um, in France mm -hmm. in order to capture more and more data at a more granular level um, with servo motors. We've, uh, we've put in new IT systems. Our managers now get up to the second updates as to what performance is happening on each one of their lines. We've got videos everywhere. It's brilliant. We're not seeing a performance improvement from it. Can mm -hmm. you help us? And we flipped that whole thing on its head a little bit and said, right, if we were going about this in a different way, what are the results you're trying to drive, right? What are the actions that you've got in play? Who are mm -hmm. the people involved? What insights do those people need? And therefore, what's the critical data? And, and mo most importantly, the smallest possible data set mm -hmm. that allows you to generate those insights. And what they found was actually, there's probably about 10, 15% of the data that they were generating actually fit into that insights space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so their reflection was, well, if we'd have known this to begin with, we could have saved ourselves about, you know, five, maybe 10 million euros, uh -huh. just by focusing on the right data upfront. That's not jump change. And that's not jump change. And it's yep. the other element to it. And I've been a manufacturing manager, and I've, I've been in that operational role. And I always hated it when the IT department came and said, we've got a new bit of software for you. It's going to make your life brilliant because it's going to give you all of this information. Mm -hmm. And quite often they'd say, all the information's there. You can cut it however you want. Yep. Isn't that brilliant? Well, well no, I've, I've just got more data that, that's confusing to me and, and I've got to do something with it. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it puts the power back in the hands of the operational manager, whoever yeah. that might be, to say, this is the data set that serves me best. Yeah. So IT department, help me generate this or help right. me get the best data quality out of what I've got in the moment, make it more granular, make it more. Um, the key word that I often use in data is trusted. Make sure it's yep. trusted. Yeah, um, and I, I think yeah. it's such a brilliant insight. It's super, super important. One thing you noted, the manager has stated, this is the data that, I need to see, you yep. know, these are the insights that, that I'm looking for. So one key takeaway, you're not saying data plays no role. Oh, you're definitely. just talking about the order in which you look for it. And yeah. I think this applies, you're talking about it in the case of a large uh, manufacturer, but mm. this applies to small businesses. And in yeah. fact, the impact of doing it the wrong way can probably be greater as a percentage of the bottom line for a small <laughs> business than for a, a giant business. Uh, too many businesses 
are sort of in the game of data for data's sake. Yeah. They get a tool because somebody says this is the greatest tool or this is the greatest piece of software. And that tool is spitting at them all this stuff and they get lost in this data. And to your point, oftentimes 80% of the numbers you're looking at really have no bearing on the success of, of your business. And you're chasing false leads. You're, you're imagining things as leading indicators for your business that are really indicating not much at all. Um, you know, I talk about it in, in content marketing, people are zeroing in on things, you know, they get buried in data, on uh, things like open rates and open rates is a lousy piece of data. It doesn't really have any grand bearing on whether your business is successful. An email with a small open rate can actually generate far more sales than an email with a, a huge open rate. And yet people, because their software splashes and big you know shiny uh bold numbers here's your open rate (laughs) this is important my open rate's going down my open rate's going up a a perfect example of what you're talking about in small businesses so this Mm. is applicable no matter what kind of business you're running indeed and i've used the same framework with lots of people that i work with either on a one-to-one basis or i'm working with a client at the moment in a um, a bottling manufacturer space and I'm helping them with various projects that, that go on and everything that I do I use this rapid framework partly yeah. partly to make sure that I'm sort of eating my own dog food and <laughs> you know doing the right the right thing there but also it form once you've got a language like that that can really drive the culture really helps a small business like the one I'm working in at the moment so that everybody knows that when there's the next piece of work or when there's a, you ask them right show me the rapid uh, layout on this and they've got a common conversation about what high performance right. actually means and that can you know have huge snowball effects from a culture perspective as well yeah yeah uh, now before we began recording you and i were talking about sausages and <laughs> banking yeah and that, and that uh you actually helped bankers look at their business in an entirely new way thanks to your experience with sausage making uh share that story because i i love it and i think it's it's a great lesson for everyone who's watching or listening um well thanks for that it's um one of the earlier jobs that i had i um got a role within a food manufacturing business that made sausages there were mm-hmm. two parts of the business sausage making on one side and bacon slicing on the other mm-hmm. and i was a production manager in the sausage uh, side of the business brilliant people lo- lo- loads of amazing learnings from a people management perspective as well as a manufacturing management perspective as well mm-hmm. fast forward a few years i've been through various roles in consulting um in facilitation worked for a big dairy company out in new zealand redundancies came about and uh decided i was going to look at wider and look at my how do i take my skills out to a wider um audience mm-hmm. and so an opportunity came about working for a bank and particularly mm-hmm. the business banking team there and when i came in they were measuring and managing performance in a very simplistic um, way which was how many dollars have you lent as a business mm-hmm. banking uh, mm-hmm. person? And so what I've always been a fan of the fact that the way you measure people drives their behavior. And that can be positive or it can be negative. 
Yep. And what we were seeing in that environment was the easiest way to get your bonus at the end of the year or the end of the quarter, the end of the month was to lend more and more dollars. Well, there's two things to that. One, the customer might not want that uh, <laughs> those dollars to be lent. So you might be forcing things upon them, doing some unethical things, mm -hmm. uh, but also the product that they might need might be a business loan for let's say $50,000. But mm. what was happening was they were convincing people to work with um, mortgages. So New Zealand market's kind of weird and it's lots of mom and pop type stuff. And so lots of people have a second uh, home that they get a mortgage on and that's a way of dealing with their finances in, in the small business. Um, and so what they were doing was they were getting doing more and more mortgages. And once I got under the skin of why are you doing this? Well, one, our bonuses related to dollars lent, but two, those business banking loans are very difficult. They take me maybe five hours to do, and it only takes me an hour to do a mortgage application. Well, what I did was say, right, if I was in that environment and I was measuring this as if we were making sausages, mm -hmm. believe it or not, all, not all sausages are the same. And so we had uh, various ranges of sausages that we were making that are bog standard ones. And let's say we produce those at a hundred packs a minute. Mm -hmm. And we had some premium products and some difficult products that were maybe 50 packs a minute or 70 packs a minute. Mm -hmm. And so we measured their performance based on what we expected their output to be mm -hmm. and how difficult it was to, um, to do that. And so just took those exact same principles and said, right, I'm not going to measure you in terms of um, the dollars that you've lent. I want to keep track of that. It's interesting. It, it, it helps uh, what's going on in the business, but actually I'm going to measure you on your productivity. Mm -hmm. How much, how effective are you using, uh, is your time that you're using? So actually you might be spending a whole day doing nothing but one loan. And that's mm -hmm. a lot more effective and a lot more beneficial and a lot more, um, uh, profitable for the business than right. you doing 10 single mortgage. Yep. applications because they're very light on profit. They're very easy to do. And so you just, and I use the change story in terms of here, this is what I would do in a sausage uh, manufacturing organization. Let's think of our products like sausages and able to get people to reframe their thinking and take inspiration from elsewhere and have a story that goes along with the change as well. So yep. just going and saying, we're going to change the way in which you measure performance some people might get on board a lot of people won't <laughs> and so you've got to take them on that journey with them and i find a story and a and a reframe really helps with those situations yeah yeah so you you've been talking about work that you've done in the in the corporate world i know that you still work in the corporate world and 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 have a side of your business where you're doing that you also yeah. work as a coach and a consultant to yes. others. Tell us about the two prongs of your business and, and who are the right people to uh, pick up the phone or, or shoot you an email to get connected with you. Oh, thanks for that, Tom. Well, the, the, as you say, two main parts. One is the corporate side, tends to mm -hmm. be the larger organizations. Lots of contacts uh, and conversations come through the L&D type channels where mm -hmm. people are deliberately looking to bring learning into their organization. Mm -hmm. And want a different story to connect with that. And yeah. the F1 angle is a really uh, sort of uh, shiny, sparkly thing <laughs> that people um, latch onto. But actually, there's a lot of really good quality learnings in terms of leadership, communication, right. 
teamwork, all sorts of wonderful angles that you can bring in there. And so lots of my corporate events are talking, keynote speech, speeches, workshops off the back of that to help people apply those learnings for themselves in teams mm -hmm. or as uh, um, departments. And, and then on an individual basis, it's more about that sort of rapid framework. Um, what are they trying to achieve? Um, I, um, I've got, I love a framework and I love acronyms. The reframe framework that I use that helps people to think about if I'm stuck mm -hmm. and I, and I don't, I've tried everything. I might be really high performing already, but I want right. to move to the next level. Where do I get inspiration, um, from, you know, who do I reach out to? And one of the other stories I talk about sausages and banking, one of the stories from F1 is in order to make the pit stops faster, they brought in ballerinas. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> and so the thinking, and it, this uh. seems this real juxtaposition between those two worlds, but the thinking was, we're really high performing already. But when I look at the team, when I look at their, what they're doing, they're moving as a team and actually the more graceful they are, the more choreographed that team is, the higher the performance we're trying to drive. Yeah. So if we focus on that aspect, we can start to think out and say, right, we can do our best in there, but actually who's got the reputation out there that does this stuff really, really well. Yeah. And so they actually brought in the, the Royal Ballet who inspired and said, not everything is going to be applicable. But it's like, this is what we do. Some of the practices, some of the, um, the principles that we bring into play, some of the frameworks we use to, to apply our own thinking. Yeah. And those ones that are applicable and, and resonate with you, we adapt them so that they're applicable to your organization and then adopt them and make yeah. them real and execute on them in your, um, in your world as well. So that's what yeah. I, I, I do with a lot of um, those individuals as well is actually how can we reframe your thinking so that you are looking for external uh, support or influence or inspiration and actually people go, well, yeah, I want external um, thoughts and, and uh, inspiration, but I don't know on what or where to go or who to look yeah. for. I'm not that creative. But yeah. what I find with a lot of things, if you give people a framework and you help them through it, that's where creativity can come from is actually having a process to follow. I love that. I love that story so much because I, I, I bring the same thing to my clients. I'm currently reading a book uh, called How to Write a Song by a guy named Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy is the lead singer of a band called Wilco, uh, okay. one of the bands I really like here. <laughs> and uh, and this song, or excuse me, this book on the surface is a songwriting manual. But really, it's an external resource. I'm about to share it with my clients and recommend it to my email list as a business book because it's doing just what you were talking about it's helping you reframe it's helping you uh, discover frameworks that sure Jeff Tweedy is using for the purpose of writing a song but mm -hmm. these same frameworks can help you get unstuck if you're working on an email or if you're trying to solve some grand business problem and and sometimes I think business people get very stuck in just looking to business books, business systems, business frameworks as their playbooks. And they, and they think if they, you know, read about how a ballet troupe 
does its thing or or better yet brings a ballet troupe in to uh, talk to the team uh, or if they read a book about songwriting that somehow uh, that's just frivolous that's that's unimportant but you've you've brought a very important lesson to this conversation and to your clients that there can be really valuable resources out there and sometimes it you need help from somebody like Paul to point you to those right resources to distill their meaning for your business. And it can be very, very valuable. So I, I love the fact that ballerinas um, and uh, ballet artists, uh, men or women, I suppose, were um, helping pit crews do their thing in Formula One racing. I think that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's a great story. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul, how can people find you if they're interested in learning more, uh, getting in touch with you, uh, doing work with you? Where yeah. where do they go? Um, the first place to go is the website. So I've got paulteasdale.co.uk. Um, yep. And so one of the first things that you'll see on there, there's a little pop-up that says, book 30 minutes of time with me. Mm -hmm. And please do. You know, I encourage people. That I love to talk to people. I'm not trying to sell. I just want to understand your challenges, your opportunities, why you're contacting me and mm -hmm. see if I can add value. That's, um, that, that's the key thing. I'm also very active on LinkedIn and uh, a lot of my networking goes through that channel as well. So yeah, if you can find me on, on LinkedIn, then do drop me a line and we can talk. Yep. About and if they search Paul Teasdale on LinkedIn, are you bound to be the first one they see or, or there's, uh, there's not many of us out there. I think I'm under Paul J Teasdale. Uh, Paul so J Teasdale. So Paul Teasdale dot UK dot. Oh, sorry. Dot UK. Dot co dot UK. I should have that straight in my head. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and LinkedIn. We're gonna have all those links in the show notes. So, Paul, any parting thoughts, any tips, any ideas that you want to share before we call it a day? Uh, no, really, just really just reach out, and if it isn't to me, reach out to somebody else and think about reframing your thought process get inspiration from whatever is passionate for you if it's songwriting if it's I, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts i think mm -hmm. it's a lot of lessons from comedy and stand-up in particular about how you can present yourself and talk and and, and move that forward um yep. but yeah always be challenging yourself as to what's the next thing that's going to lift my performance and my team's performance my organization's performance to that next level Terrific. So those links will be in the show notes. Go check out Paul's website. Go connect with him on LinkedIn. And for those of you who have enjoyed this episode, watching, listening, however it was you consumed it, please go to storypowermarketing.show where you can find other episodes. Like us and, and give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get the podcast. Spread the word and Go to storypowermarketing.com for more resources, downloads, join the mailing list if you want to power up your creative content so that prospects tune in and turn on. Paul Teasdale, thank you again for being with us. Really appreciated it. Really enjoyed the conversation. Go check out Paul if it resonated with you and everyone will see you down the road. Thanks, Tom. Privilege. For listening to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich. If you liked what you heard today, visit storypowermarketing.com resources, where you can sign up for Tom's entertaining, informative, must-read emails. 
download free business building resources, and discover other opportunities to help you harness the power of storytelling. That's storypowermarketing.com resources to help you captivate prospects, inspire them to act, and grow your business with greater ease and joy. Also, please remember to subscribe to the Story Power Marketing Show with Tom Ruich and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.